What's up, you beating Welcome to a special edition High and Wide episode. I'm Jim here with Dave, and you might notice we have a special guest for the episode. We'll get to him in a second. If you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker. Let's also shout out the affiliate sites, pullpresscoverage.com and bellyupsports.com. And while you're listening to the episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net. Now, the guest that we have for the episode, a very, very special guest, Mr. Theo Fleury. Theo, thank you for hanging out with us for the episode. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Pleasure awesome. to have you on. Yeah, it's good to be good to be on. The old yeah. Philly Flyers, huh? Yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us, man. Yeah, it's all good, man. I love love talking talking hockey. So, hey, so you, uh, I'm sorry, real quick. You, you said the old Philly Flyers, but today's Flyers are anything but. You know. <laughs> yeah, they're having a tough time, huh? Oh, a little bit. Can't seem to find a coach that you know can get them over that hurdle. They got tons of talent, tons of ability. You know, that's for sure. That it's is just, for sure. Uh, they're, they're having they're having trouble keeping the puck out of their net. <laughs> Imagine how it looks when you got to watch them every night. Right. But, but you know what? Like I think the hardest job that a coach has is getting his team to play without the puck. You know? Because you know, there's not a lot of emphasis in uh, you know, these young guys that, that actually want to play, you know, within a system, you know, it's all about goals and assists and the celly and all that. And yeah, that, that gets you, you know, an April tea time. That's what mm. that gets you. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So well, uh, before we came on, you mentioned uh, how tough the old spectrum was to play and said you had yeah. some toys from uh, back in the day. So uh, <laughs> enlighten us, please, Dale. Well, I scored a hat trick in the spectrum one night when Ron Hextall was playing. And, uh, the th- you know, I scored the third goal and he, come, you know, he does his thing. And I was like, you know what? Stop the fucking puck, man. <laughs> I said, you can fucking drive a bus between your legs. And I said, I whipped two right through your legs already, and you're coming after me? <laughs> Why? You know, I'm just doing my job. You know, your job stopped the puck, and obviously you can't do that. So, you know. <laughs> I'm sure you love that one. Oh, That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, if you weren't so worried about fucking playing the puck and, and actually stopping the puck, you might be – you might be a you might be a better goalie. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> Love it. He, by the end of his career, he thought he was a goal scorer. <laughs> <laughs> that one the GM today. Yeah, yeah. No, he's it's great. Good for him. You know. Well, he's a he's a Manitoba boy. I grew up in Manitoba too. So you know, well, when I was growing up as a kid, he was playing for the Brandon Wheat Kings. So. You know, I knew who he was, and you know, Ray Ferraro was on that team too. Ray was, you know, great junior hockey player. So, yeah, those are the guys that you know early on in my my life, uh, guys I looked up to. Speaking of uh, speaking of the juniors, they uh, you had an incident in the check, I think, in '87. Uh, <laughs> Every fucking podcast, 
<laughs> Everybody wants me to talk about that. I'm so fucking sick of talking about that. You know, um, you know the the thing about the brawl was that what people don't remember is that in junior that was happening every single night in every single game, right? There was either a bench clearing brawl or a line brawl every night, every night. So for us, wasn't out of the ordinary, just happened to be the Russians on that particular <laughs> night that, you know, they wanted to, you know, put on their uh, ballet slippers and, uh, you know, dance. So we danced. Uh, I love it. My, my favorite part about all that was actually the following year, you went back and beat them anyway in Moscow. I know. That, that, that to me is probably the thing that stands out the most. And, uh, yeah, th their, their top line was Fedorov, McGilney, and Bray. Christ. <laughs> Are you kidding me with that? Wow. I mean, you could have stopped at Fedorov, you know? But, but. But a, a, a very well-known Philadelphia Flyer. And, uh, yeah, I think both of them played for the Flyers. And then the other guy played for one of your most hated rivals, which was the New York Rangers. So we countered that with Robbie DeMaio, Mark Recchi, and Adam Graves. Wow. And Adam Graves broke McGillney's ankle with a slash in that game. So, wow. I remember some of those guys when, in Mayo back you know, in the when day. hockey was, you know, a little more, let's say, violent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you miss that style, Theo. Yeah, that's you know, that's the way hockey was meant to be played. You know, it's a violent, brutal, demanding sport. You know, and uh, you know we. We live in this woke, woke culture now, you know, and, uh, you know, this is a direct result of, of that, you know, we're watching games where, you know, it's like the no hit league, not the NHL, you know, mm. and, uh, you know, the game was designed to be physical and aggressive and, uh, pitted, uh, character against character, you know, and now it's, you know, it's like they're playing Xbox with these guys, right? You know, fucking iPads on the fucking bench. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, honestly, hmm. what the fuck are you going to learn looking at a fucking iPad on the bench? It is weird to see. You know what I mean? Because yeah. hockey, hockey is a reactionary sport, right? It's not, it's not a cerebral sport, right? And you either have that ability Right, the greatest players in the game have that built into their DNA and built into their system, right? And so, you know, like if I was out on the ice, like I know when I make a mistake, right? So I go back to the bench. I don't need negative reinforcement ingrained in my head by looking at an iPad and watching what I did wrong. Interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? But guess what? I might be the only guy on the bench who can atone for the mistake that I just made because I have talent, ability, and skill. 
And I'm probably pissed off that I allowed that to happen while I was on the ice. So I'm going to do everything within my power when I get out on the ice to atone for my mistake. Right? So if if assistant coach shoved the fucking iPad in my face on the bench, I would smash that thing into a thousand pieces and shove it up his ass. You know, like I'm surprised that we don't actually, I don't know if I can say that I'm surprised just because of the culture that is, is kind of being created today, but we don't see guys get mad like that. It's almost like they're not allowed to get mad like that. They're not allowed to show personality, frustration. God forbid you show any passion. Right. And then, and then we, as fans complain when we, when we see it, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, it's so, it's so odd, but uh, you know, just by going what you just said, uh, I'm just going to talk about Philadelphia for a second. We keep hearing a lot about how these younger kids are going through. They, they're having confidence problems. And I'm, I can't help but wonder how much, uh, you know, what they're not good at is being brought up to them instead of uh, bringing out what they're great at, you know? Yeah, because, and, and- because analytics can't measure the size of your balls <laughs> and the size of your heart. Okay. And this, this, this game is now. You have all of these fucking guys that, you know, have been sitting on their computers for years trying to figure out the analytics of the game of hockey. Well, this is the this is the reason why the game is at where it's at is because all these guys are thinking about is fucking analytics. Yeah. So of course they don't have any confidence. Because all they're be- they're being fed negativity, negativity negativity all the time wow right and the analytics you know puts you inside of your head and and like i said hockey is a reactionary sport always has been always will be that's never going to change so you know that's why you know we're seeing and hey let's face it uh hockey is a difficult sport And, uh, you know, uh, well, for example, okay. So I averaged the point a game in my career. Okay. 1,088 points in 1,084 games. Well, guess what? That only puts me 61st all time on the NHL scoring list. So if you think you're going to come into the show and light it up and get points every night, you're sadly mistaken. Right? Yeah. Because I had big time skill, big, big, big time skill, and I only averaged a point a game. I mean, that's pretty damn good, though. Yeah. I say only. But what I'm saying is, I'm 61st yeah. all time averaging one point a game. Yeah, that's incredible. So if you think that you're going to play, 15 years or 20 years and average a point a game over that stretch of time. It's hard. That's kind of the sense I get when when people bring up analytics, it's like, you you know, not all these players are meant to score 30 goals a season. They're not all meant to, to have five, six, seven shots a game, right? right? Not all these guys are meant to do that. Like certain players have certain jobs, responsibilities. You should maximize what they're good at instead of, boxing everybody into this little you know little yeah. box it's, it's and, just and not it doesn't make and, sense and that's what's happened 
you yeah. know, like your, your bottom six guys are all the same. Yeah. They're all the same. It's true. They are all the same, right? Why are they all the same? Because we have 32 teams in the league. So the talent pool is, you know, lacking, lacking, right? So, you know, that's why everybody gets, you know, excited when, you know, Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid, you know, shows up on the scene. And I'm like, you know what? We had fucking 30 Connor McDavid's playing when I was in the league. I love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and the third and fourth lines were really good lines. Because of because the, there was only 21 teams. Right? Now there's 32, so you've basically added an extra 250 jobs in the NHL. Yeah. Right. So watered down a little bit. Yeah. So it's, so it's watered down. And then, you know, you got these woke, you know, analytics people who want to be a part of the game and yeah, you know, stats are, stats are for fucking losers, man. Stats are for losers. (laughs) It's it's definitely the talent pool is definitely diluted, but, uh, Theo, you mentioned that you're only 61st all time in scoring, but uh, I think you have a record that'll never be broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was 91. You scored three shorthanded goals in one game yeah. against the Blues, right, man? Yeah. I-, I don't see anybody ever breaking that record. <laughs> I mean, somebody might tie, but I don't see anybody ever getting four shorthanded goals. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, and you were one of the no. best defensive and opportunist players in the game. Well, you know, what was it like getting that and, you know, knowing that you probably have a record that's going to stand the test of time? Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, but I, I look at Wayne and he's got like 62. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, that was just one of those games where, you know, uh, we took a lot of penalties, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and, uh, and uh, Adam Oates played the point. On, on the St. Louis power play. So all, I, I knew if I could, you know, steal a puck or chip a puck by him, there's no way he was going to catch me. You know what I mean? And then you had uh, Scott Stevens, who was on the, you know, on the left side. And, uh, but uh, yeah, it was interesting because my first goal was a one-timer right in the slot. Short-handed, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> And then the other two were were breakaways. So um, on uh, what's his name, Vincent Riandou. So yeah, and he had an even bigger five or five hole than Hextall did. So <laughs> you let him know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think the last one he stopped. He didn't even try. So he's like, "Fuck it, fuck <laughs> it's it. going in anyway." Going in anyways. Yeah. He just wanted to get in the record books. You know, he lets it in. Now he's in the record books. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, uh, it was in the old, uh, the old stadium there in St. Louis. And uh, yeah, it was quite a night, you know, even when I scored the third one, I had to like go, did I just score three short over the game? You know, it was like, you know, this real. Yeah. Like, I don't think I even did that in minor hockey. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. so rare. It's so rare that, you know, that it happens. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think, I don't think we'll ever see something like that ever again. I, I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, but Brad Hall, I think, scored his 80th that night. So. <laughs> he was pretty good. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> damn. You know? So, yeah. But you know what? Every once in a while, like, if you play long enough, you're going to, you know, you're going to have a night like that, you know? Like, I was plus nine in one game against San Jose one one year. Like, plus nine. I was on the ice for nine even-strength goals. That's insane. In a, in a tight-fought 13-to-1 game. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right down to the wire. Yeah. One team was fighting anyway. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm looking over your stats here, Theo. Uh, yeah. All-time leader, shorthanded goals for the Calgary Flames. And it's not even close. 28 career shorthanded goals for Calgary. Mm-hmm. Next closest is Kent Nilsson in 1956 with 16. What was it about playing shorthanded? Did you did you kind of, uh, you know, kick up an extra gear shorthanded? What, what was it about playing shorthanded that, you know, made it uh, so up? Uh, were you opportunistic? Did you see it as a challenge? What was the difference, man? That's a lot. 28, 16. There's nobody really close yeah. to you there. Well, when you're when you're quick, right? And you know, a lot of a lot of teams back in the 80s and 90s used forwards as, you know, defensemen, right? So a lot of times if I could just poke the puck by the guy, you know, um I could, you know, I could I could get by him and then, you know, it's just me and the goalie and not, you know, breakaways were my specialty. Like I never missed breakaways, you know. Yeah. So um, and especially in our, because the butterfly goalie hadn't been invented yet, you know? And so a lot of goalies were stand up goalies. So all you had to do was wait them out. Cause you knew they weren't going down and eventually they would just, they would just open up their legs and you just <laughs> whip it in. Right. So, so question for you. And, and I don't mean this to sound insulting in any way. It's just a question mm-hmm. for you. So I have this argument a lot. Goalies today versus goalies, uh, you know, back in the nineties, yeah. were, were they better today or, or did they have more of an advantage today? I mean, so, you look at some of these guys, they're wearing like 200 pounds worth yeah. of pads and stuff, yeah. you know? Well, you know, the goalies in our era were probably the worst athletes on the team and now they're the best athletes. Yeah. Right. So, and then you give them the advantage of equipment, you know? what happens right so yeah the goaltending profession you know has become sort of an entity upon uh within within the team structure Mm. right goalies do special routines like our goalies back in the day like they might be sneaking in the back room and having a beer before a (laughs) warm-up you know know what i mean so yeah (laughs) but they gotta do stop the damn thing yeah yeah stop that that was it that you know nobody really had a style. That's why, you know, the two pad stack and the skate save, you know, like those were like, yeah, guys could do that. That was great. But now they just go down. It's, like it's a all about man. angles, right? It's yeah. all about angles now, you know? And I, I think Patrick Waugh was probably, you know, the first guy that was really, really good at that, you know? And when you beat him, you knew that you made, made a great shot, you know? Yeah. And then you got, and then you got, you know, the best road hockey goalie in the history of the game, Dominic Kashuk, who was just, he was just pure talent. That was it. He was just pure, pure talent. No style, no nothing, just pure talent. He was fun, wasn't he? 
Yeah, he was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> he was a show all on his own. He yeah, he like yeah, he he was on a different planet, that guy, you know. So but you know, that's what makes you that's what makes you great, you know, is and he never gave up on anything ever. Like he was never out of like he would make a save and then the rebound would come and he he'd somehow get it because of his athletic ability. He could get, you know, he could cover up for some of the mistakes that he made, you know? So but it's a very technical position now. Just like everything else is technical. It's you know? boring. It's boring now. <laughs> it's, Everybody's the same. Like, like yeah, the, the goalie boring. in the ECHL can come boring. up and play. Yeah. Right? You can call boring. a guy up from the ECHL and he, yeah. you know, he plays the same style as uh, a yeah, starting goalie. These kids don't, don't have to worry about, you know, Dave Schultz and Skoleski and those guys jumping over the boards and beating the shit out of them. They don't have to worry about that stuff, you know? Eddie Van Imp with his you know, with his two by four, as you're going wide on him, he's breaking your arms, slashing you, you know, this feels like the perfect time to ask you about what you think of the, the Michigan move that we're seeing so often in today's game now. Yeah. If, if got, what do you think would happen in our era? If that, I don't think we, I think we'd see it once and then never again, the end of their career. (laughs) That would, that's a career ender in our, you know, in our, uh, in our era. That's the a guy wouldn't make it back to the bench. No, uh-uh. <laughs> no, no. There'd be a yard sale on the ice. You imagine doing that to Hextall? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh! I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, we missed that. I mean, we don't want to see anybody get hurt, but there's a level of respect for your opponent, yeah, you know, and absolutely. you don't see it as much for anymore. Sure, yeah, sure I mean, it's fun to watch, but you know, it's just. Well, you know, we're it's the it's the YouTube generation, right? Yeah, you know, that's what it is. It's like street hockey stuff. Yeah, yes. like people, you know, people come up to me all the time, and yeah, I have a little guy that plays, you know, tykes or whatever, and every time he scores a goal, I showed him your slide. He does it every time he's he scores a goal, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but. But it's, you know, it's the evolution of, you know. Is there any going back, you think? Is there no. going to be a point where it's like, hey, we no. kind of need this back in the game? Yeah, no. no I think it's just going to keep going. Not. Well, unless, you know, if we somehow are able to get rid of, you know, this woke culture that that's around. But I think it's it's too deeply uh, implanted in deep, deep roots now. So it'd be hard to, you know. To go yeah. back to, um, but you know, we, we have an old school coach in Calgary and Daryl Sutter. And, you know, I would say our team this year is playing better than, than I've seen in probably 10 years, you know, because there's some accountability with an old school coach, there's going to be accountability. Like, you know, the kids aren't going to overrun the dressing room and take over the dressing room, you know, like, like, you know, they think they can, you know, and, uh, but he's got them playing a really good defensive game. And when teams play well defensively, they get more chances offensively, right? Because you're on the right side of the puck, you're on the defensive side of the puck. And, you know, uh, you know, if you don't, if you don't play good defense, you're never going to have the puck, which is the object of the game. 
Absolutely. We, we kind right. of saw that with uh, Lane Vigneault in Philadelphia. Yep. The first season, we saw exactly what you're seeing in Cal or in Calgary, what you're yep. talking about. You know, the team's but, playing but, fine. But what happens is with the old school coaches is, you know, that's why they have like a two, maybe three-year shelf life is because they're so hard mentally on the guys and the guys are so mentally weak that mm. they eventually just shut them out, right? For sure. They shut them out. Right. So, and uh, yeah, that's why they keep, re they keep recycling these guys, you know, over and over and over again, you know, so and they have success at the beginning, but it doesn't last. Yeah. It's a shame because these kids aren't prepared, you know, mentally. Right. So what's the difference? What's the difference uh, with today's kids uh, compared to when, when you were coming up? And even before that, I mean, where does the, the mental, uh, you know, unpreparedness come from? Well, it comes through the system, right? So kids, you know, uh, Patrick Kane's parents spent $250,000 on him to become an NHL player, right? So they get it, they get it infiltrated in these systems where, you know, they have their own dressing rooms, their own lockers, you know, all this stuff. And so, you know, in junior, you know, it's even, you know, it's even increased. The dressing rooms are nice, you know, all, all this stuff. And so they have no concept of the working men, right? They have no concept of the working men. Like they, these guys don't realize that if a family of four goes to the game in Philadelphia and has really good seats, that's that guy's two-week salary. <laughs> By the time he buys buys them food, he has a couple beers. His wife has a, you know, a highball, some popcorn. Yeah, maybe they buy some memorabilia. Like, that's two-week salary. So they don't understand the concept of the working man, who is probably our biggest piece of our fan base. And they don't represent those people. Right, Absolutely. they represent the corporate, the corporate. Do right? you don't get a start. In our, <laughs> in our area, we represented you guys. We were hardworking yeah. guys. We liked to fight, swear, smoke, drink beers. You know, yeah. we were the working men's group of guys. That's we why people love the game. That's why they loved the game at that time. Is because you could you could see yourself as Steel Flurry out in the ice, right? You know, scrappy yeah. little guys, you know, that were in bar fights on the weekends and, you know, that kind of stuff. So we, you know, the fans related to us guys. Yeah. We saw the corporate takeover firsthand over the last five years here. Yeah, as, soon as, as soon as you guys built that brand new monstrosity of a building, you went from a building of tremendous character, which was the spectrum, you know, to this corporate church you know yeah right ed snyder's passing uh i think that was the biggest thing and then comcast takeover all that's all i said major corporate takeover of the organization yeah. so we yeah. saw that firsthand and yeah, uh, when, when when your scoreboard is your biggest asset how about the mascot arena, man what does that tell you <laughs> yeah what does it tell you it's true right absolutely we used to call it the dummy board <laughs> <laughs> right because because, you know, your team's so bad that you got to instruct your fans to make noise. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you know? 
I mean, now you, you got this green, uh, this orange Muppet running around the building, you know, doing that for, for everybody now. It's, yeah. it's really, it's, it's kind of yeah, sad. When, when he's the most popular player on the Philadelphia Flyers, you know, something's wrong. We, we say that a lot, you know, this team's missing an identity and it's like, well, the identity is gritty. Like, who do you think about when you think about the Flyers? And it, it's sad. Yeah. Well, it's mascot for real it's sad so yeah so that means it's corporate right yeah it's exactly i mean i think that claude Giroux is still the most popular player on the flyer so i mean he probably he's, he's, he's done like he's done though like he's done he wants to win yeah so well, he's, he's got to leave he's got to leave philly <laughs> in order to have a chance to win because he's been there how long and they haven't won yeah theo i'm actually glad you mentioned that because i actually see a lot of comparisons to uh your your career in Calgary and uh, Claude's career here in Philadelphia. Yep. Success early. You won a Stanley Cup your yep. rookie year. Claude yep. made a run in 2010. You guys are yep. both franchise icons, but a ton of franchise records. You know what I mean? And then yeah. I, I think you set the Calgary Flames all-time scoring record, and they got traded two weeks later, if I remember correctly, over yep. to Colorado. So with the trade deadline approaching, Claude Giroux expiring contract. Like I said, yeah, very similar to Calgary. He needs to come to Calgary. Oh, that, that that's where he needs to go? For yeah, real, we need, we, we need a guy like him, for sure. I think it would absolutely be be a great move by the Flames to get him. Now, But now on a personal level, do you think Claude Giroux wants to leave? Like when you were leaving Calgary, you, you, know, you said you were an icon there. Yeah. How do you feel about leaving? Did you want to stay there and win another one there? Do you think Claude would want to stay and try to win here in Philly? Like on a personal level, how do you? Right. What do you think he's going through, and what did you go through around that same time frame? Yeah, it's frustrating, you know. Um, but you know, we had a lull of a few years where we, were, we just weren't good, right? Because we got rid of the whole entire '89 Stanley Cup team. The last guy to leave was Gary Roberts, and then I was kind of left there on my own. And so we were we were rebuilding through the draft, you know, and. Uh, and by the time I left, like we were a pretty good team. Like we were hard to play against. We were a hardworking team and we were good defensively. And hopefully, you know, I'd whip one in at the end of the game or something to, to get us the win or we'd score a power play goal or something. But, you know, uh, we'd established a new identity for the franchise. And, uh, um, but, you know, we're a small market team. Uh, the Canadian dollar was like in the toilet. You know, and so there just wasn't, you know, there just wasn't enough money, you know, to pay me. And uh, as much as I wanted to stay and play my whole career in Calgary, you know, uh, at that time, you know, we only get one opportunity at free agency. We only get one kick at the cat. And, you know, if I would have stayed in Calgary instead of going to New York, like it would have cost me $11 million dollars. Right. Because signing with the Rangers, I made eleven million dollars more than what Calgary, you know, was offering me. Right. So and I worked my ass off. I, I worked to get to that point. You know, it wasn't like I was a you know, some borderline player or something, you know, like uh you work through your you know I mean your point per game the and year, the year I scored I fifty I, goals, the yeah, year I scored fifty goals, you know how much money I made? $125,000, right? You know, and the year we won the Stanley cup, you know what our payroll was? 
Seven million dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> guys are making right? that in a year today. That's insane. That's, that's JVR salary right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! He, he didn't just drop JVR. Yeah. <laughs> well, can you? So can you see where the fans could connect more to us back? Absolutely. In the day than hundred percent. Hundred percent. You know, and um, and, and they're, they're all young. Right. So they don't get, you know, the perspective of the history of the game. You know, mm-hmm. I bet you there's some guys in the league who don't even know where fucking Wayne Gretzky is anymore. Oh, I uh, don't say that. There's no way that could be true. I hope that's not true. <laughs> I don't know, but there's going to come a time. There's going to come a time when that, you know, and well, you know, I remember, I remember going to all-star games and all the old guys would show up, man. I love sitting with those guys and hearing their stories and paying respect to them because they built the game. They gave me the opportunity to make all this money and all that. And, you know, I remember I was doing an event with Johnny Bauer in Victoria, BC. He lives in Toronto. It's like a, it's like a five hour flight and he's 80 years old. And I said to him, I said, Johnny, what are you doing here? You know what he said to me? He says, I got a mortgage that I got to pay. Jeez. And I was just like, Huh? Wow. Right? That's incredible that it's like that. You know, so it's like, like you really got to put things into perspective. And I don't think these guys fully understand, you know, the the respect part, right? You know? And I think if the if 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 you had because in Calgary, like we we don't ever associate with the with the current players, like we never see them. Right. And there's nine or 10 of us from the Stanley Cup team who live in Calgary, who never, never interact with these guys, never around these guys. They wonder why they have trouble winning. (laughs) Because if you forget about where you came from, you can never get to where you're going. We've actually uh, we've seen that recently too with the disconnect. That the Flyers Alumni Association used to be heavily involved in the organization and everything, and you're hearing it directly from alumni, Flyers alumni right now, how much they've been pushed out and disconnected from the team. And I think it goes back to the corporate stuff you're talking about. It's just not what it used to be. It's more of a yeah. corporate takeover these days. Yeah, yeah. and it, and uh, like I said, if if you don't. If, if the current Philadelphia Flyers don't know anything about the Broad Street Bullies, then that's a crime. It seems like they're doing it on purpose is, is the most sad part of it all. Like, it's not. Because when those design. old guys come back and they're in the building, people go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Bertie Perrant, the Hammer, you know, Brian Prop, all, all these guys that that played before, you know, it's like, and that's where you lose your disconnect. That's where you lose your identity as a franchise. If you don't have those guys around. Yep. Absolutely. Right. So it takes a lot away when you do that. Uh, like for example, well, why uh, did you guys love hockey? Cause you got to watch Eric Lindros yeah. and you got to watch the Legion of doom line, yep. you know, like, Hey, even just hearing stories from from your your parents or you know whoever whoever yeah. raised you, whoever watched these teams, you have conversations. When yeah. these guys aren't around anymore, you're not just taking away, you yeah. know, the, these former players. You're taking away 
potential conver- you know conversations with yeah. hey my dad could talk to me about oh remember this time with Brian Prop or remember this time with uh you know Bobby Clark if they're not around the organization these conversations no longer happen you know what I mean yeah, and then you lose your identity you exactly lose, you lose and when you lose your identity then who are you exactly right and you're, that's you're exactly corporate. what you guys are seeing from your team is they have no identity exactly well you're gr- they're gritty <laughs> the mascot not the actual play <laughs> right 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 you know so you know there's there's lots of things that the game can improve on but there's lots of good things that they've done too you know yeah. but you know never ever ever forget about where you came from right For sure. absolutely because if you do just karma just karma alone that kind of karma is bad karma <laughs> That might be what we're going through. I don't. I really can't get much worse, can it, Dave? I don't know. Absolutely not. This this is actually bottom of the barrel right now. He seeing empty arenas every night. Uh, our mascot has video games out now, though, so that's always nice to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, if you're bored before, you guys the game. have one of the greatest hockey fan bases in like ever, ever. It's it's going away. People and, are getting turned off. The fact that nobody's going to the games anymore in Philly is a crime. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's weird. Is, is uh, Fletcher the GM there? Yep. Who's yeah. The GM? Chucky Fletcher? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, his dad was my GM in Calgary. So, what was that like? So, uh, you have to imagine that they're, they're similar. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, the Chucky was this big. You know? <laughs> What did you have? did you have a relationship with as tall as I was? <laughs> That's great. Did you have yeah. a relationship with uh, Chuck Fletcher Senior? Oh, he was the best. We called him Uncle Cliff. You know, he oh. was the best, smart guy. But he went through that. He went through that Montreal system. You know, with Sam Pollock, who built built all those amazing teams. You know that the Flyers. You know had to had to go through in order to, you know, to win Stanley cups, you know? So, uh, just a really honest guy, you know, guys, guy, you know, loved, loved his players, you know, it was, it was really, he was awesome, you know, and he had great people. He had great people around him too, you know, and, uh, that's, that's the biggest thing and the biggest takeaway I have about winning because I've been a part of lots of, championship teams and you know the one common commonality or common theme is always uh not only do you have great players but you have quality human beings like you know the quality of people is is just as important as you know the skill or whatever it is you have on your team if you have quality human beings and quality people in your organization that just trickles down to everybody right 100 you know so if you got a deck at the top what do you think the rest of the <clears throat> what do you think the rest of the thing is going to be it's going to be a nobody bunch wants of dicks to, nobody wants know? to work for a dick man that's for <laughs> yeah. sure you know what i mean so um <clears throat> and it's simple psychology like it's not like rocket science or analytics you know it's like it's like just get your guys out there to play together, care about each other, 
and work your bag off. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. Get rid of the fucking videos. Get rid of the fucking iPads. And let's just go out. Let's just go out and work hard and have fun with playing with each other and love each other, care about each other. That's it. That's it. Now, if you uh, make a mistake, I'm not going to yell at you. Just go out the next shift and and try and do better. Hey, uh, so now Theo, with uh, with the Olympics coming up in a couple of weeks, man, you played on a couple of Olympic teams, and and this year the uh, the guys aren't the NHL players aren't going over, but you played on the first iteration of uh, you know NHL players going over, and then I was, on, gold, the, I was on the first dream team, so yep, and then won yeah. a, a gold medal uh, four years later. So, uh, you know, what, what about those experiences, man? Anything you can share with us about that? Yeah, well. You know, as kids growing up, we never dreamed about playing in the Olympics, right? Because it wasn't an option, Yeah. right? So, you know, in 98, when they decided that we, they were going to let us go over there, man, that was like, you know, the biggest thrill of my life is representing your country. Like, it doesn't get any bigger than that, you know? And, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. And... Who's I, I was who who's I talking to? I was talking to a buddy of mine. We were driving up to Edmonton last week. I was do had some meetings up there. And he's a big Oiler fan. My buddy's a big Oiler fan. And I said to him, I said, Are you pissed off that Connor McDavid hasn't played in the Olympics yet? He's like, Yeah. And I go, Well, I go, those Canada Cups and World Cups of hockey and the Olympics, guess what? Guy like me got to hang around with Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and Joe Sackick and Steve Eiserman. And you know what? I got to observe leadership. Wow. I got to observe from the very best of the best, right? So Connor McDavid hasn't had a chance to hang around with Sid, right? Hasn't been able to hang around with Drew Doughty, right? You know, and that, and, and if you look back on time, the 1987 Canada Cup, what happened? Gretzky and Mario got to play together for a couple of months. And Mario got to observe Gretzky. And then what happened? Mario went on a fucking tear like you've never been and never seen before. And he won two Stanley Cups. You know, Eric Lindros, you know, came to all these tournaments, got to hang out with all these great leaders, went to Philly, led him to the Stanley Cups. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so that that's part of you know the tut- the tutelage of being a superstar in the NHL is eventually you want your you know up and coming superstar to be able to hang around with the guys who've already won mm-hmm. the Stanley Cup, right? So that's that's important stuff. Like that's important learning that needs to happen, you know, and. Uh, those yeah, are intangibles you're not going to find in in the analytics, man. Yeah. Like you're not going to find leadership in analytics. You're no. not going to you're not going to find you know a, a younger guy studying the guys who have already done it and been there, you know, and, and learning from them. You're not going to find that in stats. Yeah. That's important. Yeah, like you know, you're you're sitting with Sid at dinner and you're picking his brain, and you know what I mean. Like it's just that that interaction is invaluable to your young your young players. Mm-hmm. Because they go back to their teams and they're different people because they've had that experience. 
It's right? growth. It's growth is what yeah. it is. You know? Yeah. So, and there's, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, there's not a lot of old guys around anymore. You know, like once you get to like that 31, 32, 33 age, like you're already old. Hmm. Like in our, in our generation, you know, we had, we had lots of guys that would play into their forties. Now, now that number is 35. Yeah. And then guess what's going to happen? It's going to go to 30. Right. Why? Because there's a salary cap. And who are you going to, who are you going to pick? You're going to pick the 40 year old to play on your fourth line. Or are you going to pay your draft pick to play on the fourth line? Cause the 40 year old guy wants a couple million bucks a year. This guy is what making the league minimum, which is what 900 grand. So you're saving a million dollars by having a younger guy, but I guarantee you the value of the older guy is more valuable because right. he's, he's going to bring that leadership into your dressing room and he's going to call guys out because he doesn't fucking care. Cause he's at the end of his career. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he doesn't seeing, care about hurting other people's feelings. You know, you're seeing it already today. You know, it's, it's like, <clears throat> we've had this conversation on our show uh, a couple times now, but um, I don't know. I, I, well, I'd like to hear your take on this, but I don't think the NHL is so much a league where players should be um, developing still. Um, I think they should go through the ranks, develop there. And when you're in the NHL, it means you're ready to play in the NHL. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I disagree strongly with, you know, starting uh, Morgan Frost, for example. He's, uh, you know, incredible offensive talent, but he's been playing on third and fourth lines with, um, you know, third and fourth line guys. Yeah. And so he, his skills are not being utilized correctly. And now we're hearing he's got confidence problems. I wonder where that's coming from, this and that. Um, but I want to know what, what your thoughts on that are. Like these these kids are coming up and they're not ready to play in the NHL. So there's they're still developing at the NHL level. And then all of a sudden they have confidence issues. I just want to hear your take on, on what you think about that. Well, I think it's a direct result of the salary cap, right? You know, yeah, there's only so much money to go around. And, you know, most teams pay their top guys way too much money. And because of that, you know, those young guys have to develop quicker, you know, or they need them. They need them to develop quicker. Right. But, uh, you know, uh, like for example, for me in junior hockey, I had the puck the whole entire game. I had the puck the whole game. Yeah. When I was on the ice, I had the puck. So you get to the NHL or you even get to the minors that changes because guys are more mature. Guys are bigger than you guys are stronger than you guys are faster than you. And so there's a transition, right? There's a transition. Uh, and you know, like the jump from even the American league to the NHL is huge. Like it's huge. And so if guys aren't ready, you know, for that kind of responsibility, yeah, they're going to struggle because they're young people. They have no experience. They have no life experience, no nothing. They, they haven't faced a whole lot of adversity in their life. And so the first time adversity shows up, yeah, they're going to fold up like a cheap lawn chair because they've never had that experience before. Mm -hmm. Right? 
So is it better for them to have that experience in the minors or the NHL? I, I don't know. Right. But well, you, you mentioned everyone's mentally weak. So it's, it's maybe it is the minors. Yeah. Cause it's like, Oh, I, I didn't I make know, it in my I first shot. The answer is to that question because let's face it. Everybody, everybody's made up differently. Yeah. Right. Everybody's made up differently. And, and, at, and in analytics, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't figure out, you know, the psychological brain of your players. Right. Right. It doesn't matter how many questions you ask them, put them in a situation where they're going to have to face some adversity. Then you find out what they're made of. Right. Yep. But if this frost kid comes out of, out of it and becomes a great player, then you know that it was the right decision. That's true. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do you know, how do you know that? You got to put it. Unless they go through, you know, the adversity. Yeah. Great answer. Good point. Oh, you know, but you know, for guys like us, we came in the league, there was only 21 teams. So you get called up and you don't make an impact. You're done. You're done. You play two games and you go back to the minors, right? Because there's 40 guys in line who are just as good as you. Yeah. Right. So, so that, you know, that healthy competition, that doesn't happen either. You know what I mean? Because there's more jobs. We speak about that a lot as well. You know, the healthy competition part. Yeah. You know, like we used to beat the shit out of each other in practice. Why? Because if, if you, if you play or if you practice like you play, then the games are easy because the games are structured, right? There's systems in practice. It's just, you know, battling right? Battling, battling, you know, and that's why we practice is so that the games are easy, right? You know, now, you know, now they fuck around and practice and do all that fucking fancy bullshit. And, you know, <laughs> you know. so like, what does it matter if Zegris does what he does? If his fucking, if, if he's on the golf course in April, mm. you know it's what true. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, his YouTube video probably got a million clicks. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but that's not why you play the game. That's not why you're getting paid is because your owner likes winning Stanley cups. He doesn't like YouTube videos. Yeah. He likes going four rounds of the playoffs where his building is full for, for the eight, eight or what is it? Eight or 12 games that he's going to get. It's the brand, man. He doesn't fucking care if you can flip a puck over the net and somebody can bat it out of the air. No. He's worried about putting butts in the seats so that when they get to the end of the year, they win a Stanley Cup. You'd like to think. If if you don't play the game to win the Stanley Cup, then go do something else. Yeah, you'd like to think you have ownership that wants to win a Stanley Cup. You'd like to think that's that's what goes on. Uh, Yeah. not not every ownership. If I was an owner, if I go to the Stanley Cup Finals, you know how much money I'm making? Bank. Do you uh, huge bank? Do you have any cash lying around to buy the Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers? But we could, uh, we, <laughs> I was we, waiting we, for that. Yeah, we could use a change in attitude, Theo. So if you got <laughs> if you got some spare, hey, everybody everybody out there knows what I do. Knows what I do now. 
Nothing. They don't fucking call us because we're we're so we're way too smart. And these guys are so afraid of having us around. Why? Because we threaten their fucking jobs, right? You know? Dude, you're hitting the nail. A guy like me would go in and just fucking go, you're a fucking idiot. Get the fuck (laughs) out of here. You're fired. You know what I mean? Because I'm about winning. You're right, Dean. (sighs) Right? I hear that. It's it's really, to me, it's, it's, you're right, but it's sad that you're right about this, you know? Like, it's not encouraging or anything it's kind of like shit like things are really bad yeah, you know? yeah. Like, <laughs> if, if i'm a general manager and you're paying me three million dollars and i'm watching what the fuck's going on clean house yeah get rid of fucking coaches scouts everybody like blow it up top down it's got us we we lost our identity we need to get it back we need good people in our organization people that work hard People that aren't afraid to fucking say what's on their mind, you know? That's the key. I feel like right. that's overlooked a lot. Good good people is, is key. Number yeah. one thing you should be looking for yeah. is good people. Got to have quality people in your organization. It has to start at the top because if it doesn't have, if you don't have it at the top, like if, if your owner doesn't care about the guy who makes the coffee in the Philadelphia Philly or Philadelphia Flyers dressing room, you got a problem. Yeah. I hear you. Or the, guy, or the guy that's out there parking cars for the players. If the owner doesn't care about that guy, you got no chance of winning. Because how, what do you, how do you think the players are going to treat the guy who parks the cars yeah. if the owner doesn't respect them? You're a bunch of jerk-offs. Yep. Right? So, Good know. people attract good people is just yeah. something I've learned in life. Absolutely. And it's the same as the opposite. You know, and well. I'm not bashing hockey. I'm just talking about what I've observed yeah. for the last 17 years that I've been out of the game. That's it. It seems you know, like we've all been I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. Nothing. I'm just I'm just giving you what I'm seeing. Yeah. And how and how different it is. Like so different. Well, it's real though. It's real. And we, we yeah. appreciate, you know, obviously. Like you know, when, who, I made my, when I made my comeback in oh, 2009, I've been out of the game for six years. And I walked in the dressing room. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? There's a fucking chef in the dressing room. <laughs> I had fucking three cigarettes and a fucking Tim Hortons coffee on my way to practice. When I got to practice, I ate a fucking, you know, Gatorade bar and I went out <laughs> for practice. You know, you know what I mean? I'm just like something's wrong here, man. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and then you go out and practice and you come off the ice. Lunch is there. You know, I would have never fucking left the I would have never left the dressing room. I would have lived at the rink. Maybe that's the point. They keep them there. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. Well, you know, it's, it's the, it's the gaming culture too, right? So those oh guys God, go don't. practice and then they go home and fucking fry their brains with four or five hours of playing Fortnite. <laughs> Dude, we've heard mean? way too many stories of players with Fortnite, man. Yeah. It's insane. That shit fries your brain. Like it it's, it's fries your brain. So you want to talk about mental? You want yeah. to talk about why guys aren't mentally with it? It's because of that. 
fucking for you it. You can't man. fucking stare at a screen for four fucking hours and expect your brain to be working properly. Read a goddamn book or something. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, what did we do? We went to the pool hall. We played pool. We went to the bowling alley and bowled and, you know. Bird dog some chicks or something. Get out. Get yeah, out. Whatever. Go, yeah. go out. Go out. Go to the fucking strip joint or whatever, you know, whatever. It was. Socialize. What the hell? What's the one in Philly called? D- uh, there's a D- couple, I think. Dave D- might know better than I would. I yeah, think. D- Delilah's, Lutards, Delilah. uh, cheerleaders. Which which one do you want? Delilah's. That's the one we used to get. You know, back in there the you day. You got ants on board. Go to a strip club, Ant says. I, I, I'm pro strip club too. I actually have two strippers on my ribs. <laughs> well, Who's who's the who's the guy that played for the Bengals there? Popeye, whatever. He used to say, going to the script club. Popeye Jones is football yeah. as basketball. No, no, like uh uh he was that controversial uh safety guy. Uh, recent oh Pac-Man, maybe Pac-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pac-Man going to the script club. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, they just, you know, they don't make them like they used to, man. That's for damn sure. They don't make hockey players like like us anymore, you know. Dude, it's a breath of fresh air talking to you, man. Yeah, this is fantastic, dude. 100 percent man. Yeah, like I said, I I love talking hockey and and uh you know, um it's just a different world, you know, it's a different world we're living in, right? And uh it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, probably the most successful franchise in all of sports is the NFL. You know, they, they look, look, look at, look at all the playoff games. They went down to the last second. And as a, you know, as a marketer or whatever, like that's, that's what you want, right? You want parody. But you want good play. Like you want be high skill, good players, close games, right? NHL, that's not happening. So they, they got to figure that out, right? Yeah. Like the playoffs are awesome because, you know, they – It's the place playoffs. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of the problem, though. Some fans just wait around to the playoffs. You know what I mean, they don't that's, need to take a regular as season. A fan, as a fan, that's what I would do. Yeah. Save your money at the beginning of the year. Your team makes the playoffs, fucking buy all the tickets you can because you know every game is going to be epic. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You know, so, so yeah. You all know, right, let's, uh, at, least, at least with baseball, you can go sit in a, in a, you know, seat, you're outdoors, you know, hanging with your buddies, having a few beers. Like, take yeah. a night out. It's an awesome night out. We don't. How many guys fucking give a shit about the score? You don't. You just. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're outside. It's nice. The sun is shining. You know, popcorn, yeah. peanuts. You know, it's great. And that the team, if your team wins, that's a bonus. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's 162 <laughs> games. You know, <laughs> right? So, oh. so yeah, you know, hockey, hockey's. You know, hockey's priced themselves out of the market for the for the working man. You know, for sure. So I, don't think done a, sure. I don't think they've done a very good job of trying to expand their audience. They just keep trying to squeeze out every last penny they can from the base audience they've had. They just haven't yeah. grown their fan base like they could have. I don't think they're taking the right steps. Yeah. 
wow, you know, they think, you know, they think by having Biz Nasty and Gratz, you know, on TNT that that's going to, you know, create create an audience. But, you know, the generation doesn't know who Wayne Gretzky is in the United States. You know, yeah, Biz Nasty is kind of, you know, that that crazy guy, you know, YouTube guy, spitting chiclets guy. Yeah. So, yeah, he's good for the thing. And. You know, you got talk, talk goes on every once in a while and, you know, does his thing. But, you know, it's not like Barkley and, and you know, Kenny and, and Shaq, you know, like that's a special panel of yeah. guys, you know. That, that's hard to replicate. They're really good on TV. They just know the shtick, right? Yeah. Whereas hockey guys aren't aren't as, you know – Good at that. TNT didn't call you, Theo? God, no. <laughs> <laughs> what would you have said? I, I swear too much. That's why they don't want me on TV. They got Every second word out of my mouth is fuck. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that, actually. <laughs> so I don't know if you have a PG audience or not, but, but uh, that's I how mean... we talk. That's how we talk in Canada, right? Yep. Just hard sure. working. Hard-working, middle-class, you know, people. We speak the same language in the Philly All we area. know how to do is work. That's it. That's all we know how to do. It's what we grew up watching. It's grew up, you know, it's what we it's what we know, right? You know, how old was I when I had my first job? I think I was 10 years old I had my first job, you know? Because my, my parents were poor, so I couldn't go to my dad and say, hey, can I get a brand-new pair of skates? No, I had to go get a job and work for it so that I could buy a brand new pair of skates or buy a hockey stick or buy a roll of tape. Right. Cause we so, just didn't have the money. We just didn't have the money. Right. So Theo, what have, uh, what have you been doing since, uh, since you left the game 17 years ago? What have you been up to now? Anything you want to share with the audience? Anything you want to talk yeah, about? Yeah. So I work in the field of trauma, mental health and addiction because I have a, you know, history of all three right and uh and so i travel uh before covid i was traveling all over north america at least once a week speaking on the subject of trauma mental health and addiction um i have a coaching business where i take uh people who are fresh out of treatment uh and um support them and teach them how to live live a sober life so i have that uh, I write books. I do documentaries. Uh, uh, I run groups, groups online around, around that, those three areas as well. So, um, and over the last probably five years, I become a political sort of activist as well. So very nice. active in the political space, uh, um, as a, as a patriot, <clears throat> freedom lover so boy theo big trump fan <laughs> loving uh loving your support for the truckers theo oh yeah yeah well they're they're hard-working guys right you know oh, yeah. they're, they're my they're my kind of people yeah you know our kind of people too man i've been following yeah. it closely yeah yeah they're my kind of people so you know so well, the world's in a in a whole hell of a mess Right. So a little bit, a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> but 
Can't wait till November till till the Republicans wipe out the Democrats. We're gonna see, man. Let's uh you know we have I don't wanna turn off our any you know, like half of our audience here. So we'll see. Let's move on. <laughs> God forbid, right? Let's we don't want to offend anybody here. Let's move on a little bit. So uh <laughs> that's funny. That is funny. Um so Theo, I have to ask you. So uh, something real quick. So I'll throw this in there. So I found out I had Crohn's disease. Uh, okay. Yeah. I think I'm 34 now. I have to think about that nowadays. So this was five years ago. I found out and got to tell you, one of the first things I did, uh, upon finding out was I Googled athletes who had Crohn's disease and your name was on the list. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know if this is weird or not, but you know, the reason I looked up athletes was because if these guys can go through what I'm currently going through, <clears throat> and find a way to go out and push their body to the absolute max, then I can absolutely get through what I'm going through and I'm going to be fine. Yeah. So, you know, I just want to ask you a little bit uh, about, you know, how did you find out and, and what was life like for you upon finding out? How much did your life change? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what year was it? Oh my God. Uh, I went to a training camp in, in 1996 and, uh, you know, I was starting to have like really bad night sweats. Like I'd wake up in the middle of the night and my bed would just be soaked and, mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't really think anything of it. And then, and then I get to training camp and it's like, somebody's taking a knife and just jabbing it in my gut. Like every, I don't know, five minutes. Yeah. And so we were in play, just finished playing a game in Phoenix and I went to the trainer and I said, something's not right, man. I just fucking I keep getting this pain in my, you know. So he, you know, right away, oh, you got appendicitis, right? So I flew back to Calgary and uh, and went through like a battery of tests and all kinds of stuff. And the doctor came back to me and says, you know, you ever heard of Crohn's disease? I'm like, no, nope, never heard of it. So, um, so I went. You know, I went on heavy prednisone and, and all of that, you know, at the beginning. And, uh, but the side effects were like too crazy. My, my hands and my feet swelled up. So you can imagine trying playing hockey when your hands and your feet are all fucking yeah. messed up, you know? So, so, you know, tried to change my diet, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, and, and the steroids did uh, eliminate a lot of the inflammation that I had. Uh, the diet stuff, um, you know, but it was kind of just, a, you know, you know, with Crohn's, it's like you just sort of find the right formula. Yeah. They kick you out the you, door and say, good luck, buddy. Yeah. But, but you find the right formula and you stick to your, to your regimen. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's all I've done. And the biggest thing I found was stress. Stress is the worst thing for Crohn's. Right. So you know, when you eliminate high stress, you know, you're relatively good. Right. So, but it's diet. Uh, I've had the surgery. I had the surgery about 10 years ago and uh, it's been pretty good ever since I had the surgery. And then, and then they say, you know, by the time you reach 40, it kind of like burns itself out. Huh. Get know? out. Really? Yeah. So like, you're almost sure, there, I, I yeah. was going to say, I only got five more years left. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but 
My 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 biggest suggestion for everybody is just lower your stress level. So my next question is for you because you seem like a, a passionate guy. You know, you, you care about a lot of things. Um, how do you still live that way and manage your stress? Because that's something well, that I've struggled with. Because uh, yeah. we're we're similar, and just listening to you, uh, I like to think that I'm a passionate guy. I mean, I care. I care about yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. And so what I struggled with was how can I still be myself quote unquote and still you know and keep my stress down how can yeah. i be even keel and still be you know still have emotions if that makes sense yeah yeah for sure for sure so in the healing process you know there's three systems that you have to take care of every day so physical right sleep sleep is probably the more, most important thing is sleep because if you sleep well, you're less likely to be uh, under stress mm -hmm. if you sleep well. Uh, so I do tons of meditation, tons and tons of meditation. Uh, I, I play about 140 rounds of golf in the summertime. So that's a huge, it's like, it's like my meditation. Golf is my meditation because sure. I'm outside and, sure. you know. You know, if your head's not into your golf game, you're going to shoot a thousand. So, you know, it keeps you focused on, you know, what you need to do. And then the emotional stuff, right? I need to talk about what's going on in my life. Because if I don't, I don't, you know what happens? It gets internalized and causes us stress. Right. Right. And when our body's in stress, you know, you know what kind of chemical we, we produce in our body? little thing called cortisol yep. and cortisol is like acid in your body right and it eats away at your nervous system eats away at your intestines eats away at all these things right so so meditation yoga practices you know drinking tons of water so that your your, your system is always flushing all of that shit that you have in your body and the stuff that you can't get rid of because with Crohn's that's what we can we can't get rid of stuff right right so so there's that and then the last part is spiritual I need to have some sort of spiritual connection to something something greater than than myself right so whatever that looks like to you right yeah so. And I and I think regardless of you know whether you have Crohn's or not, like that's important for anything in life. You should you should be maintained. Yeah. Like I, I tried to do that stuff over the yeah. last year. Like if you would have asked me about mental health, I would have said the same thing. Yeah, I if agree. you would ask me about trauma, I would have said the same thing. If you would ask me about addiction, I would have said the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's just you know three components of a healthy lifestyle. I think yeah. you'll be able to focus yourself, yeah. take care of every aspect of your lifestyle. Yeah, and and, and find a group of people that are. Compassionate, empathetic, non-judgmental, right? The more people you hang out with who who are the complete opposite of the words I just used, like get the fuck, get rid of them, like immediately. Because that's a lesson that I learned, right? Yeah. You know, that I, I can't, those, I can't have a certain type of people, of people in my life. Those kind of people absolutely suck the life right out of you. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, I agree hundred percent with that. I, yep. Just you know. I dealt with that a lot, just negativity in life and in, and in like, yeah. you know, working environments and stuff. And yeah, it just brings you down. And, you know, yeah. one of the biggest things I did was make some lifestyle changes and just, you know, cut some people yeah. out. Yeah. Cause, cause I live a drama free life. I, I don't have any drama in my life. 
But if you come in and bring drama in my life, you're out. Out. Dude, I say the same thing. And I don't <laughs> yeah. know if it's from going through the same, like similar things, but I say yeah, the same thing, we, man. We can't be stressed. Yeah. I, I have we, peace. We can't, we can't be stressed if we have Crohn's disease. I just went, right. I mean, I don't mean to get all like personal, but I went through a breakup. And the, the main thing I told, I said in the beginning, I have peace. If you fuck with my peace, it's not going to work. I already yeah. have everything I need. You're a bonus. Yes. So if you mess yeah. with that, things are done. Yeah. And that's what mm -hmm. happened. Yeah. And and relationships probably cause the most stress of, of all of them. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and then, you know, I, I give back a lot. And when I give back, guess what? I'm not inside of here mm. when I'm giving back. Interesting. Because I have to be focused on the on somebody else, right? And where's the worst place you can be if you suffer from mental illness? Your right head. here. Yeah, yeah. That's the worst place you can be is inside of your own head because your brain is telling you lies all the time and making up shit that's never going to happen. That's so true. But when you get into here, get into your heart space, that's wherever all the good stuff lives. Compassion, empathy, forgiveness, all that good stuff lives in your heart. So get out of your fucking head, get into your heart space, you know, help other people, you know, talk to people, right? That's it. It's not rocket science. It's just basic little things. Get Like actually get out and fucking do it. Don't just, you know tweet about it you know yeah. what i mean yeah so i think like, a lot well, of people do these days you know, don't just go like just don't sign a check to a charity actually go and visit them and see what it is they do for sure right hey do you need some volunteers you know because that's the stuff that makes you feel amazing right yeah i think that's great advice yeah yeah tnt needs to call you the unconventional <laughs> you gotta be a regular on that show now <laughs> I'm pretty sure if Theo Fleury called up and said, "Hey, I want to be on your fucking show," that they can't say no, you know. Well, so. I can't travel because I'm I'm. Uh, oh my god! Those, one of those vaccine free guys, Christ. you know. So I, I'm pure, I'm pure blooded too, man. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I I basically haven't done a whole lot in two years. You know, I've 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 had my moments with my own personal mental health challenges, but uh, it, uh, yeah. You know, I have a great, great wife, great family, you know, great kids. So, yeah, like you yeah. say, you, you know, you, you really learn about what what matters and what's important now, you know. And, uh, yeah. Do you believe that there's reasons why you had to go through uh, some of the stuff that you went through? Yeah, absolutely. Everything that happened in my life has been a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, because now I get to help people. For sure. And if I didn't have the story, guess what? I can't help people. Exactly. Right? You know, so so if you look at it from a spiritual perspective, you know. Um, you were picked, man. You yeah. were chosen. Well, and, and and we were also picked for this this time too. You know, this this volatile sort of crazy existence that we're living right now. We were born for this. For sure. Right? We're all born for this, you know, and instead of pulling apart, you know, you know, uh, we need to, we need to come together. The unvaxxed, the vaxxed, we, we got to come together. Otherwise 
the end result of this is pretty ugly. Yeah. You know? Let's hope we uh, we don't find out what yeah. that looks like. Well, we won't. We won't. Why? Because God wins. Right. God wins. Oh my God, dude. I feel like we need to we need to be friggin' friends or something, dude. Shit. I'm getting fired up just listening to you. Cause yeah. I mean, me yeah. and Dave talk. This is all shit that we've talked about before. And, like, and you know, and when you have a belief in something greater than yourself, it eliminates all the fear. And right. that's exactly what, you know, what the media is doing all day long is they're selling fear, right? That's why 100%. people are fucking losing their shit in the grocery stores because they're so fucking afraid. Turn fucking your TV off. Turn it off. It's Turn funny it off. You, it's funny you mentioned the media line. Me and Jay are both reading the same book right now about how the media can be manipulated. Uh, trust yeah. me, I'm lying. And it's all about social media and media manipulation. Google, Google Project Mockingbird. This all makes sense. Check it out. <laughs> I think yeah. I may have. Uh, was that like a, a small doc? Small documentary or is that a book? No, it's the it's the CIA's I've seen plan. this. That's yeah, I've the seen CIA, CIA's plan to get us to this place that we're at right now. Yeah. Right? I've I've watched it. I think it may yeah. be like I'll it's unbelievable. Like I, I argue with people all day long on social media, and I'm like, it's it's like they have 300 million anchors from CNN or you they know, sound the MSNBC, same, and they're just quoting these people word for word. I'm just like, isn't it crazy? Dude, dude turn your TV off. Turn it I, say, off. I say the same thing. Turn it you off. Know, I, I try not to have these conversations with, with people anymore because it's, it's weird. You can tell who watches Fox and who watches yeah. CNN because yeah. they repeat the same BS. And, you know? and you know what? It doesn't matter how many times I tell them that I'm an expert in mental health and trauma and addiction and all this stuff. Like I see, I see it like as plain as anybody. So you it talked about it. You talked about adversity earlier, right? Yeah. And you can tell at least I'll speak from my perspective. I can tell who's lived a sheltered life and yeah. who's been through some shit, yeah. right? Because yeah. they think I've, totally I've, different. I've been abused before in my life. So I understand the abuse from the government. Right. Yep. So. Yeah. Anybody that's been through it's the some same. Shit, it's the same. It's the same. Yeah, it's anybody that's been through some shit can see when the shit's about to hit the fan. It can just you know step to the side. You know, can... yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um. We're, so we're about an hour and nineteen minutes into the episode. I'm not. I didn't know how long we were going to keep you for here. Um. But I, it was uh, kind I of lost track of time. I have a meeting right away, so I better. Okay. <laughs> And I got like about a 15-minute drive, so. All right. So we'll let you drop off, Theo. Okay, Thank boys. you so much, Theo. We appreciate it, man. Yeah. And uh, if uh, if the owner of the Flyers is listening right now, I'm your next GM, man, or your next coach. Just give me a call. I'm ready. I'm ready to do oh, it. Man. <laughs> do it. You need a place to stay. I got an extra room back here, Theo. So. Let's do it, man. Let's bunk. Let's bunk it together, man. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully we could talk again soon. It was a pleasure hanging out with you, man. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day. You guys Later, too, man. Thanks a lot. Take, take care. Take care. See ya. There he is, Steve. What a, what a guy, dude. Yeah, that was a great interview. Absolute great interview, man. So glad he came on and hung out for a little bit. Like I feel like I, I feel like we weren't talking to like Theo Fleury, like uh like the celebrity hockey player. It became like 
dude, this we're friends with this guy. Like this guy, like I don't know. I, I don't want to say that we're, I don't want to get like you know fanboy <laughs> like that, but I could have talked to this guy for hours. You know, we could have done a Joe Rogan s four hour pot live stream with him. I, I could have sat here up. for the rest of the day talking with him. Yeah, I looked up. We're an hour and nineteen minutes in. I'm like, holy shit! I think we were supposed to do maybe an hour here. So. I think it's supposed to be 45 minutes. Oh, what oh my God, are you kidding me? Yeah. Dude, lost track of time a little bit. Anybody who's watching live still, thank you for hanging out. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, the legend Theo Fleury. I know, I know we did. Yeah, maybe yeah. one of my all-time favorite interviews. Incredible get, Dave, by you. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, uh, one of my all-time favorite players, man. Love watching him growing up. Uh, uh, I'm so glad he came on. Uh, uh, it's one of the most surprising responses to an email I ever got. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that, that tells you a lot about, about the guy, though, you know? Oh, absolutely, man. So, and, and I hope, uh, you know, a lot of people learned about not just Theo Fleury, the hockey player, but maybe Theo Fleury, the, the man today, and great guy. You know, what yeah, else can yeah. – what can you really say? Yeah, absolutely, man. Just just a good dude, man. You know, he said it's all about helping people, giving back, you know what I mean? Everything he does. So, you know, absolutely just, just a quality individual, a good person, man, and, and a great hockey player on top of that. Well said. So, uh, why don't we uh, – why don't we close out the episode? But before we do that, why don't you pump up the the post game show a little bit here, Dave? Now I feel like now is a chance to to tell people to uh, you know be on the lookout for for what you have planned in in February. Yeah, so uh, so after the All Star break, I'm gonna be uh, taking over as the uh, uh, late night host here at High White Hockey. It's gonna be High White Hockey at night. Uh, we're gonna be kicking it off February 9th with Bill Meltzer. He's gonna be our first guest, and then uh, February 17th, Tony Bruno is gonna be coming in to hang out with us. Uh, so looking forward to that. Can be trying to get as many guests on as possible. You can join me, Nat, um, Jim will be there sometimes. But yeah, it, it should be a good time. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to that, dude. I'm I, when we talked about you know maybe taking over the post game show, and I, I didn't expect this. And dude, I'm I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing. I'm excited uh, for the show. Uh, I'm excited to to watch not just for you and that, but for the guest uh, that you just named. It's going to be an incredible show. Uh, looking forward to seeing what what you do with it uh, now and as well as in the future, dude. So yeah, looking forward to to the uh, HW at night. Yeah, it should be so, a good time, man. Having said that, I don't think there's anything else really to promote. We just put out an episode, I think it was on Monday, uh, with Jack and Kyle High and Wide. If you haven't watched last night's post-game show, Flyers and Winnipeg Jets, go check it out on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. Uh, this episode will be on, I think it's on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter now. Uh, but if you missed it live, um, you can find it on in a podcast episode. So uh, that'll be out later on today. Uh, before we wrap up, I do want to thank our guest, Mr. Theo Fleury, one more time. And with that, that's going to do it for the episode. Thank you for hanging out. As always, uh, the next time you catch us live, when do the Flyers next play, Dave? Do they play next Fe week? February 9th at the All-Star break. Yep, that's, uh, that'll be the Bill Meltzer episode. There you go. So next yeah. time you catch us live for a, a post game, we'll be with Bill Meltzer. Uh, everybody, make sure you drink your green stuff, take your vitamins, do some med uh, meditation, uh, do some whatever we talked about with Theo. Take care of yourself. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you all soon.